What's up? This is The Movie Newbie, a podcast where two movie aficionados discuss film, old and new, with a complete and utter newbie that, for most of the time, has no idea what he's talking about. Every episode, the experts give the newbie a movie to watch, then they talk about it. I'm your host, Jabril, and get ready for the show. Just a word of warning, spoilers ahead. Yo, what's up, guys? We're back. It's the second episode. Uh, it's good. It's good, right? Or we made or not. it. Maybe <laughs> we made it. Who knows? Well, anyways, welcome to the I second episode. Still Sorry, what? I'm amazed. I, no, I'm saying I'm, I wonder who's still listening. Yeah. I'll be amazed. Hopefully, yeah. we still have one out there. You know, some just one listener even. My mom said she would listen. Yeah, yeah. My, my mom, mom said she wouldn't listen. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, guys, welcome to the second episode. I'm your host Jabril, and welcome to the movie newbie. So again, like last week, um, the guys have prepared a movie for me, but I'm going to keep it to them. They're going to talk to me about it right now. So how about you guys say hello and get this shit going? Hello again, Raf again, an actor as always. And I believe this time it's Ollie talking us with the second option. Yeah. So as you guys might remember in our last, um, in the first episode, we um, explained that we'd be talking about single location movies uh, for this first installment of the podcast, as we all, you know, kind of stuck in single locations ourselves with this coronavirus pandemic. And yeah, so for this one, I thought I'd go take it old school. I'd go back to one of the classics, hit up my homie, Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> oh my God, that was really cr- cringe. I'm say that again. <laughs> Uh, you can edit this out, right, Gabriel? My homie. Actually, you should leave this in. This is gold. Okay. Yeah, um, you should leave this in. <laughs> um, yeah, and for this one, I thought I'd take it old school. I'd go back to one of the classics. Uh, Mr. Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. Um, I can't remember which year this film came out. I believe it was the early 60s. But it stars um, Jimmy Stewart and Grace Kelly. And, yeah, it's generally understood to be um, one of the greatest films, not just that uses a single location, but period. It's the story of a man who breaks his leg and is forced to stick, stay in a wheelchair and stay home, can't go anywhere. And he starts um, spying on some of his neighbours in an apartment building through a pair of binoculars. And he notices that one of his neighbors might be guilty of murdering someone and covering what? it up. And what? Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. wait. That's a, maybe a minor wait, guys. Wait, guys. Because this is like another movie that we love. <laughs> oh, indeed it is. It, it does sound a little a little bit like Disturbia, that, that famous Shia LaBeouf flick. Oh, yeah. Does this have any connection, Oli? Is there like, is it inspired by Rear Window? I hate you guys. Um, yeah, this is, yeah. We're I taking mean, a this, shit this is, on this rear window movie. By I mean, I'm trying to talk about one of the defining, you know, ins- one of the defining titles in movie history, and you're trying to steer this conversation onto Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> uh, yeah, Disturbia, I believe, was inspired by Rear Window. Okay. Classic Shia, dude. I love Shia. But anyways, okay, back to Alfred. Yeah, so I think it's. Um, 
I really wanted us to talk about this movie, this movie in particular, because not only is it a great example of single location filmmaking, but also, you know, it's an excuse to talk about Alfred Hitchcock. And if you're going to learn about um, film history and about the art of cinema, Jabril, we're going to have to talk a little bit about Alfred Hitchcock because, you know, there's a reason they call him the master of suspense. It's impossible to conceive or to configure film being where it is today without his presence. Yeah. Every major filmmaker has been influenced about either directly or indirectly by his oeuvre. And yeah, this is a really perfect um, case study for his type of filmmaking and what he does so well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a little confession. A little confession to make. All right, I, go on. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've seen anything by Alfred Hitchcock. Wow. Well, then I, guess I don't know. Ollie, well, hey, Ollie has introduced you with <laughs> like, probably his finest work. So you, you're lucky there. Was he an actor yep. or the director? Oh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock is the director. Yeah, see, I don't even know. <laughs> Although, you know what, funnily enough, a little bit of trivia here, he usually nearly always makes a, um, a cameo appearance okay. in all of his movies. Okay, then maybe I have seen maybe I have seen an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Then well, let's let, let's talk, talk about this. He's done the uh, the Birds, Psycho, Vertigo, North by Northwest. Any of these ringing a bell? Nope. <laughs> well, okay, maybe well. maybe this could then uh, lead us to have a theme purely based on Alfred Hitchcock. Who knows? Maybe that will be one of the themes in, in the knows? upcoming podcasts. Maybe I'll just shit all over this movie. Who knows? Or maybe you will. Who knows? Yeah, maybe yeah. your urban new way of thinking will take a dump on the classic foundation of cinema. Yeah. Yeah. If you hate this movie, Gabriel, no pressure. But you're basically saying that you hate cinema. <laughs> and, okay. Um, I'm just, you know, just, go, just, I'm just yeah. saying, keep, keep that. Tread, in mind. tread lightly. Damn. <laughs> Thanks no for pressure. the pressure, man. So I guess I'm gonna have to go away for a bit. Watch this movie, Rear Window, and I guess I'll talk to you guys in a little bit. Sounds good. Enjoy. See y'all. All right, and we're back. And uh, I just watched Rear Window, the second movie, from the theme of uh, single locations. And yeah, it was really interesting. Um, what do you guys think about it, like just watching it again? Straight off the bat, I mean, I really learn to appreciate the meticulousness of Alfred Hitchcock. And that was my first thought. <laughs> what was your, um, what is your relationship with Hitchcock? If you don't mind me well, asking Raphael, and then the same question to you, Gabriel, uh, if, if you've seen any of his stuff. I don't really have a relationship with Alfred Hitchcock. If, that's how I say his name. I have such a little relationship that I don't even know how to that's say the ori- That's the original pronunciation I had. Ah, uh, is it? Well, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's. It, I don't really um, know a lot of his work. I mean, obviously I know the titles that he has uh, produced and he has filmed and I know the influence that he has placed in, in, in American cinema and cinema just generally. Um, but I, yeah, I'm afraid to say I don't know much uh, of his film. So this was, it was breathtaking to, to, to go into that kind of world, um, again, into mm. rear window. So yeah, it, it taught me a lot more about, about cinematic filmmaking for sure. So like I had zero experience with Alfred Hitchcock. I honestly didn't even realize how old this movie was going to be. Um, like when I researched it or like when I put it into the search bar to like, uh, watch the movie, 
I was like, wait, 1954? It's like, that's, that's a while ago. So Have you ever was, seen a film that old? <laughs> I was about hey, to ask, is that the oldest <laughs> film you've seen? <laughs> I think it's the second oldest film because I'm pretty sure I've seen um, The Stranger, which, is, which was like from the 40s or 30s, I think. Um, the Stranger? Is Klaus? Is that like an uh, Albert Camus adaptation? Yeah. Is that I think the... so. And, uh, yeah. Hmm. I think it's a, well, I can't even remember. It was, I definitely watched it in class and yeah, that's, you can tell how much I actually paid attention during the movie, but uh, yeah. yeah. So 54, I think the next, like the next oldest films that I've seen is probably the Star Wars films and maybe Warriors. Oh yeah. yeah, I yeah. Think, but that's I think that's film. like seventies or eighties. Yeah. Warriors is really cool. I yeah, just saw yeah, really it for the that. first time. Uh, recently. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, back to Rear Window. Um, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> let's not talk about Warriors. Yeah, because that's because that, I'll, I'll go into that movie. But anyways, yeah. um, for Rear Window, uh, was it was it Disturbia? The movie. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so with Disturbia, it was pretty similar narrative. So that at least kept me going. But. Um, one of the things that happens to me during movies is that I love falling asleep. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I had and I had asked Gabriel yeah. after he had watched that film if he fell asleep because <laughs> I knew that was one of the films that he would fall asleep to. Yeah. So I think the first time I tried to watch it, I I think I barely lasted after the opening sequence because the thing about old <laughs> old movies is that they have like a three minute long like theme song where they go through everybody who made the movie, yeah. which I'm so yeah. glad they they stopped doing. Um, <laughs> Cause I remember like, so boring. Like just, I want to watch this movie. Um, I, I, I was, I was actually thinking when I watched this movie that I'd, I forgot basically that they, what that basically they, in the olden days, they would put all the credits at the beginning and then there's no credits at the end. Yeah. yeah. It just ends and then it cuts to the Paramount or studio yeah. logo and it's like <laughs> and so they basically just took the part that everyone leaves the cinema for you know yeah when, when they played the credits at the end and they just played that during the beginning when you were forced to sit through it yeah. it feels like such an awkward like uh moment and it's so yeah. sudden that i don't know how i'd react if it was still like that like all having to like get up and leave the cinema without like credits rolling <laughs> i think <laughs> like oh like lights are on and it's all silent. <laughs> I think they stopped with the long intro credits or would you call it intro credits, I guess? Opening uh, yes, credits. Yes. Yeah, yeah, opening, opening credits. credits yeah. Um, I remember that being a thing maybe until the mid-2000s. I think, they, um, they, they, I think it's a recent thing where they stopped putting any kind of attention but for the most yeah. part into opening credit sequences because you're right i i i can remember some opening credit <clears throat> sequences from films as recent as you know in the past 10 15 years but it has occurred to me that you just really don't seem to get them mm-hmm. well like if you do get them they just kind of play they're rolling out over an actual scene that you're watching from the beginning of the film mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to um being a sequence unto themselves that happens separate to the action on the screen yeah. yeah we should get like a fact checker someone to like come in and be like actually the uh, opening credits were <laughs> like they, they stopped in 1995 and that's well, where the i guess we could figure that out for the next episode we could 
yeah, yeah we can, we figure can, that we can out. go away and research that yeah. yeah we'll do that for the listeners out there we'll we'll do our research before we yeah come in and talk <laughs> um so yeah i found that that made me fall asleep pretty easily um and then the second time around when i tried to watch the movie um my internet kept cutting so uh i could i couldn't get through it so i finally 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 finished it today and i enjoyed it i i enjoyed it like i wouldn't say i loved it Mm. but um i do see a lot of like um techniques and uh how do i say it like ways of directing that a lot of uh directors do nowadays you know like they they use a lot of the techniques because right. you can tell that like back then i think there was a there was a scene with a helicopter coming in just flying over a roof and to get that kind of image by like mm. going to the film and like cutting tiny pieces of helicopter to stick on each frame is crazy like i thought that was pretty impressive um nowadays it's just cgi'd yeah. in yeah, yeah, the special yeah. effects of 1954, everyone. Yeah, well, I, I that was think really cool. I'm pretty sure we probably all watched um, like the remastered edition that came out. I don't know at some point in the last 10, 20 years or something. But Ooh, I think they did like, like a fiftieth, maybe a fiftieth anniversary. Um, uh, I think it was sixtieth, no, or sixty-fifth or something. Maybe I don't know. Although if it was sixty-fifth, it'd be like last year that that came out. Yeah, yeah. I think I read oh, so an article. That's a pretty random number as well. <laughs> to, 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 to do anniversary yeah. to do like a reprint for uh, 65. Yeah, 65 <laughs> They want to be different. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, in that edition, in that, I think they, I, I feel like, you know, that scene at the end where he's dangling over the, um, <laughs> over the, over the balcony yeah, and he yeah. just drops. And yeah. um, clearly, like, obviously, um, the technology was not as advanced back then, you know, 60 years ago. And I, I, I kind of had to rewind it because it just looks so awkward on the screen. But I think they basically just have a shot of him, you know, um, like a still picture of him, like in a falling pose. And then it mm. was kind of like stitched on top of the, the frames. <laughs> and so he just kind of falls in like a really static way, like yeah. in the same pose. See, I, so thought, weird. <laughs> I thought that they basically had him dangling and then they, I guess, did a separate shot of a mannequin falling and in, in, like dressed as him. And ah. then the, the third part would be him like, kind of acting as if he fell on the floor. And that's, that's what I thought happened. I thought it was, mm. yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> I thought it was pretty uh, funny. But there's those, those moments aren't, you, you can't capture those moments anymore. That's what I think no. makes um, revisiting these films from the 50s or the 60s such a, uh, such a special like event because you don't see that anymore, you know? Yeah. Like um, when I was, when when I watched it, um, I was blown away, and that's and that's like completely blown away by the set. I mean, they yeah, built yes, this gigantic, yes. this gigantic uh, indoor set, which I think um, after doing some research, it's the biggest Paramount set that was ever built. And I don't know if it still is because there's been a lot of movies since, but it was at the time and it remained for like the next 30 years, the biggest set that Paramount studio did. And I think it composed, and I have some like nice little facts here. 
Um, I think the, uh, and it was incredibly expensive. Um, it cost them around, with inflation nowadays, uh, around a million dollars. Um, and the set included seven Is that seven adjusted for inflation? Books. Wait, is that adjusted? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. So, one million so does think... not sound like a lot. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> one yeah. million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. For filmmaking nowadays, it's nothing. But um, I think it was it was uh, an unprecedented, like, 9,000 for design and then 72,000 to build the entire set which now adjusted to inflation would be, uh, I don't know, like 800,000. It, it, it is incredible though. You're right. The, um, the first note I had when I was rewatching the film that I wrote down was um, incredible set design for the apartment block. Mm, yeah. um, I just think the way, I mean, you, you know, just by virtue of the fact that you're watching a movie from this time period, that it, it would have had to have been built on a studio lot, but yeah. it does so effectively. Um, uh, I don't know. <sighs> recreate the feeling of being in a city or yeah. recreate New York City in front of your very own eyes. And sure. I think the production design is one of the stars of this film in general, everything from the set design to the sound design to even the makeup and the lighting, the way they make you feel, you know, that it's summer and yeah. the, way that, the, the way they conjure up those sensations of being in a city like New York in the middle of what I presume to be a heat wave. Mm. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it that's was, that's incredible feat for its time. Yeah, um, which which, which um, defines it uh, like it, it goes beyond uh, what it actually is. And and I think um, going back to the to the set, it it had seven apart. They built seven apartment buildings uh, and three other buildings on the other side of the street, which you can see. You know, when he's like. Um, looking beyond his little quadrant there's an mm -hmm. actual street and a road there yep. and that's three apartments there and i think all around it boasted um uh, according to this 31 apartments incredible 31 like handmade apartment that's that's crazy to think um, yeah and i yeah and, and what's crazy is that i mean just not just you know to if i can take this opportunity to be a little bit of a film geek just the way they use the um, deep focus photography to capture everything that they put into that set. So you have like a shot from his window and you can not only can you see the apartments across the courtyard, but you can see beyond the apartments, like you said, across the street and into mm. what I imagine to be a deli or a diner of some kind. And in that mm. diner, you can see they have all these extras sitting at the tables, eating meals and waiters walking behind them. And this is all captured, um, you know, in varying gradations in one shot mm. from far away. It's just the level of detail is um, staggering. So, yeah. what what exactly is deep focus photography for those of us for those of us that don't know? Sure, no problem. So, if you know, um, with cameras, as you may know, you have a uh, what we call a depth of field, um, and that is basically where the focus is, um, like whether the, fo you know, when you, uh, if you're racking focus on a camera, um, you can focus on something really up close, you know, very close. Mm -hmm. And then everything in the background will get blurry or will be out of focus, or you can focus at something in the distance. And then what is really close to you will be out of focus and blurry. But then when you have deep focus, it is when you are shooting in a way, and this is where my, um, you're testing the limits of my knowledge about cameras, <laughs> but um, where basically you're including everything in a really far depth of field so that both the images that are up close, the objects that are up close and the objects that are far away 
are both in focus. In focus. So you can both see them clearly. And okay. so not only did Hitchcock um, play with this a lot, but um, Orson Welles, who maybe we'll get the chance to talk about at some point in this podcast, mm. was noted for using um, deep focus in particular in um, Citizen Kane. It was Orson Citizen Welles. Kane. The Stranger was, was directed by Orson Welles. Oh, yeah. right. Oh. So you've watched an Orson Welles film. I have indeed. An Orson Welles oh. film that I think neither Raph or I have seen. I, I have not, yeah. I have not seen oh, that really film. really shown yeah. up here. Well, yeah, wow. Learn your I've, place, Jabriel. I've, I see well, how it is. <laughs> I've seen it. It doesn't mean it entered my brain. Because <laughs> this was high school and yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. To, to Maybe to revisit then. If there's we a difference, do like a, an Orson Welles theme. Yeah. There's a difference between like a teacher forcing you to watch something and you don't really like their class in comparison to like your friend getting you to watch something, I think. True. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, um, but now that you uh, learned, uh, let's say, about these terminologies and maybe had more time to consider this set, do you mm -hmm. feel like there's more of an appreciation on the film uh, making aspect of, of Rear Window? So the thing that I enjoyed the most was the set and the way um, the camera would shift between apartment to apartment and mm. go through these little tiny mini narratives between each occupant mm. and things like that. And I found that uh, was captured really well in comparison to just the general storyline. Like mm -hmm. I liked those mini narratives rather than the entire story, you know? Interesting. With the way that everything was designed, it made you really feel like you were in that uh, apartment complex, you know? Like it looked, it really brought you in. I, I, I found like the camera movements specifically, like the way it zoomed yeah. in and out was really, really cool. I really enjoyed mm. that. It was really appealing. And I think um, what what you mentioned here is the the, the theme of this film, uh, the theme of voyeurism, uh, and you become subject to that immediately throughout the film, uh, especially when you start, like, let's say the, the, the hour, one hour is up, you start to really invest yourself more, like you said, more into like these little narratives and more into mm -hmm. the neighbor's lives than the actual story, which then makes you a voyeur as well mm -hmm. as, as James Stewart is a voyeur, you know? Yeah. So you become guilty of that and, yeah. and toward the end, and obviously, spoiler, 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 um, but when he comes in, mm -hmm. when the, when the, uh, uh, the uh, what's his name? What's, I, I, I guess they don't really have specific names, but the, the murderer. Oh, right, uh, the, the neighbor, yeah. The, yeah, the, the neighbor oh, who- the suspect. Who, um, the suspect. It begins with an L or something. No, no, his, Jimmy Stewart's character, his name is like Lowell, wow. something Lowell, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but anyway, the, um, the antagonist to the story, the suspect. The, yeah, he comes in and you immediately feel as guilty as James Stewart does for like, you know, yes. watching that. And you yeah. feel just as scared. Like, um, I, I love the whole, uh, you know, the lighting where they focus on your eyes. Like that's the intensity, what it, is. Yeah, that's what it, it reminds is. me yeah, of like absolutely. comic books where they just shine a light on their eyes just to make you feel as if you're being stared down. Um, I love that shot. I found that shot really, really mm. cool. Hitchcock is famed for doing that, right? Mm. And that, that, um, that shot, if we're just going to pick out particular shots that impressed us, that shot when I think he's watching 
um, Grace Kelly's character um, in Lars's apartment from his own window, which is, mm-hmm. I mean, talk about a suspenseful scene. Mm-hmm. And um, the window, one of the windows to, uh, one of the French windows in his apartment uh, sort of turns to the side and you can see the reflection of um, Lars Thor's character walking through the apartment in yeah. the reflection of the window. And it's, yeah. and because the character is behind a wall at that point and James Stewart's character cannot see him, we yeah. just see it through the reflection. You see him like, you know, approaching her face on. It's just incredibly elaborate and effective. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the attention to detail, like you said, like when you were talking about the scene where they were looking through into the restaurant across the street, like there's so many instances in this film where you do, it just perplexes me. Uh, there's a scene mm. where uh, the guy playing the piano in his room, I think he was having a party. And every mm. time you cut back to the party, it just, the room gets filled with more and more people. I think they had about 40 people in that room. Yeah. Like the amount of yeah, extras, yeah. like you were saying just now, it's insane. Yeah, no, for sure. And and, and only that, uh, not, not only to have that amount of extras or that amount of support, I guess, supporting characters, um, but the choreography behind everything, you know, everything has to be particularly staged and choreographed in order to um, advance the story. So when, you know, action is yelled, everyone has its own narrative. Everyone mm-hmm. has a specific objective that they have to do. Um, because what you're seeing, uh, as well with some of these shots is they're long shots. These are like, these are uh, long takes. Um, so the choreography has to be in tune with these takes. Um, otherwise, yeah, they have to go back and start all over again. Yeah. And everyone has their job. And Hitchcock would have been very, um, very demanding on that front. Very particular, but cause he has a real mm. reputation. He had a real reputation, Hitchcock of not necessarily appreciating the craft of acting, or at least he never Mm. suggested he did. He was, he famously said that he basically equated actors to props and he saw them as just another thing that was um, just another moving piece in the tableau he was attempting to create. So- Oh, the bastard. Yeah, as an actor, you might be offended to him. (laughs) But no, he probably didn't appreciate actors getting ideas about taking the story in a different direction or improvising on set. He saw them as moving chess pieces that had to follow his direction to the letter mm-hmm. in order to achieve his total vision. And so um, it's, but it, it works really effectively here and you can see why he was the master of yeah. operating all of those pieces. Another thing I liked just with the, the narrative, um, in the beginning of the movie, they kind of cycle through each and every room. And it's and basically, in a way, he's, he's trying to narrate, like basically introducing everyone that's going to be involved and kind of revisits them every single time. So he's like, this is the newlyweds that just moved in. Uh, this is the, the ballet dancer. And we have the mm. uh, pianist. Uh, but... Today, we're going to be talking about this uh, salesman and his sick wife. And then it just expands on that. And they're like, oh, okay, but wait, let's just go and check out what's happening here. And each and every 
uh, story was closed at the end. Like they all came to an ending in their mm. narratives, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the the newlyweds turned into the nagging married couple that he talks about in the beginning of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. The couple with uh, the dog who died, they get a new dog or the process of the pianist starting his song to finishing his song. And mm. the connection between all the neighbors as well. I found that very, very interesting. Well, I, I think yeah. it's, I don't know about you guys, but I, when I was watching this film, it made me not nostalgic necessarily because I do live in a city, but it, it, it gave me a really conflicting impression on what it is to live in a, in a, in a bustling city like this. Because on the one hand, I think it clearly um, conveys the fact that when you live in an urban sprawl, it can be profoundly lonely because you're surrounded mm. by people, but they are all effectively strangers to you. You don't know about the lives or the inner characters of the people that you share an apartment complex with or the people who live next door. Yet at the same time, I felt like it was warm in the beginning, though, how the camera roamed around and you could see that you were surrounded by people who had these lives, who had these stories that were just, you know, there for the taking, essentially. And that mm. so much was going on right in your, you know, right on your doorstep. And that also, you know, it kind of makes you feel less alone at the same time. So I don't know, I, I got this highly like sort of contradictory impression of li- what it is like to live in the city. Mm. Kind of made you kind of made you miss the, the hustle and bustle of it all a little bit. Right. And as I say, I do live in, in a in a bustling city near the center as well. I live in London, but, um, you know, I, I, I did live in Manhattan for a little bit. And mm. this neighborhood that I live in in London is not quite that, you know, it's not quite that rambunctious. Um, yeah, it doesn't have that New York, you know, that New York fast-paced kind of lifestyle, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not got that, you know, that je ne sais quoi. That yeah, New you know, York, that New York energy. It's like go, 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 you know, go, go, go. <laughs> yeah, the city um, that never sleeps. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a. Um, I, I love to, to, to hear that. Um, and I feel after watching this film, because we in Vancouver right now, I, I live in an apartment where we have these big French windows as well. And we can see um, the outside world. And every time I look outside, we, um, me, me and my wife, we actually develop storylines for these, you know, these reoccurring neighbors that we see every now and then. Like we see, we would see someone walking back and forth and we see her every day doing that. Uh, we see someone smoke in the corner of our street and we see him like smoke, you know, maybe 10 cigarettes a day. And we develop these storylines as well. So I don't know, this film made me relate to also me being a voyeur. You know, I look outside and I like to, I like to people watch. So it's, yeah, it was, it was very, um, I don't know, it gave me a feeling of, damn, am I, am I just like James Stewart, just like creeping outside my little apartment, inside my little apartment, watching the outside world go by? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I, I think um, uh, having seen this film again, watched this film again recently, it did force me to reflect on what I've been doing a lot more since I was forced to stay in my apartment to self-isolate mm. with this virus because I do have a view right next to my desk, which I'm looking through right now, of all the people in the apartments across the street from me. And a lot of them have their own gardens and balconies that they're spending a lot of time on since the weather is getting warmer and because they're they're tired of being inside. And Mm. I've caught myself spying on what they're doing and (laughs) trying to imagine what their lives are like during this pressure cooker time we're in. 
so excellent choice. Excellent choice yeah. of film, I have to say. It was, yeah. it, was, it, was it was a pretty in, enjoyable film to watch. Like, I, I would watch it again, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. So he gets the JB good. stamp of approval. It gets the approval. But yeah. Let's. We, we got to wait for the rating. I mean, for me, it was the most effective single location um, movie that I've ever watched. I think. Yeah. Just because when you think of a single location film, you often think that everything that happens in it will be happening within that contained location. Yeah, this is a film where most things are happening mm, outside mm. of the location, but someone is just confined to a single location and is viewing it from a distance. Exactly. And yeah, trying and like, to interact with the world from the comfort of his own home. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, it, it, it holds more... Um, to this theme of single location than perhaps Green Room did because Green Room mm-hmm. had a bit more leeway into single location. Yes, they were they tried they were surviving in a green room, but there was more exploration outside and and in and around the compound. Um, so as much as it was single location, there was more there was more to it. There was more world, I guess. Whereas this, yeah, it's it's one apartment and that's it. I think this movie is definitely a lot more relatable for what we're going through right now. Like, I think he's been stuck in that room for seven weeks or six weeks because he, yeah. he injured his leg. I think it, yeah, I, I feel like they said six weeks at some point. Yeah, I think in the beginning that. of the movie, his friend calls him and says, hey, aren't you, um, are you out of your cast yet? And he's like, no, I have a week left. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, he breaks but... his other leg by the yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But um, it's, I know I, I, oh, uh, go on, go on. Yeah, sorry. Um, so rude of me. I just found it interesting that for the amount of time that he, he's been there, you know, he's just been staring out of the window. Like, I wonder what was going on before. Was it as interesting? Like, mm. his life. Like, True. what was maybe, he doing? Maybe there should be a prequel. Was yeah maybe, <laughs> but um, I wonder if 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 the idea is that only if you have to pr- put your own life on hold, if you have to press pause on everything that's going on in your life, would you actually stop and consider what's going on around you mm-hmm. and pay attention enough to notice that a man is effectively carrying out a murder right across the street from you? Exactly. And what would you do if you were put in those shoes, you know, of witnessing a murder from just adjacent, you know, to yeah. your to your apartment? Like, what would you? Yeah, it's such yeah. an intriguing little puzzle well, to, what set, do you think? to set yourself in. Like, let's take that question, Raph. What would you? Into consideration? Uh, yeah, like, what would you, like, if right now you looked out the window and you just saw some something shady happening in the next house over? <laughs> Well, that's <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I wouldn't. I think it, it, it would fall into the same narrative as he. Like, you'd have to get the evidence uh, together. You'd have to find out. And I, I, is voyeurism a is voyeurism something that you know is is frowned upon or illegal in certain places? Like, I don't really know the uh, the impact of voyeurism, but I would have to. Yeah, I would have to build there's a, nothing a case, illegal. There's, no, there's nothing illegal about you know, looking at something or spying on someone from your own home, if they're presenting the, that to the world, then it's not yeah. for you to observe it and to process it however you will. Um, obviously, like, yeah. if you were to try and break into their apartment to collect evidence, that would be illegal. Just yeah. like Grace Kelly. Yeah, 
who is oh my god i mean sorry you know just <laughs> just just gotta put put it out there uh yes what a absolutely. babe what a babe oh, yeah <laughs> an absolute beauty you know a golden age beauty really I, I see how they they like to compare margot robbie to her ah i haven't heard that before but i could oh, see that i see it yeah i can see that too yeah um, I, I mean it's just the same type of aura in my opinion mm. and 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 um would you say uh so i guess i'm going i'm, I'm diverting from from that question uh of what would you do if you witnessed a murder into um in, into the the male gaze deconstruction of this film um, mm-hmm. because there was there was a few instances where I was caught thinking about that because we're living in because of the current climate we live in and because we have now more of a progressive state of mind um, it made me think about that a little bit of that male gaze you know when he sees the ballerina uh, from across you know his apartment when he sees uh, different females um, in their apartment complex and I felt even that I was male gazing and there was kind of a patriarchal male gaze in the film mm. which makes it kind of relevant too you know in this in this world yeah yeah you could definitely interpret this film from um you know, from a 20th century, 21st century perspective and, mm. and read in the ways in which it's maybe unintentionally or an intent or intentionally dissecting and displaying the male gaze. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, that's one of the reasons why I love this film so much is you can digest it in so many different ways and you can <laughs> deconstruct in so many different ways. One thing um, I did want to talk about quickly before we wrap this up and give our ratings is um, the casting. So, uh, uh, Raph, I imagine you might know a little bit about this already, but Gabriel, I'm just going to assume that you you won't or that some of our listeners don't. <laughs> um, but there was something quite radical about casting James Stewart and Grace Kelly in this film because uh, in the yeah. time, uh, just so you know, James Stewart or Jimmy Stewart, as he, as he was known, was probably probably if not the definitely one of the biggest actors in the world and not only was he just a not only was he just a massively famous actor he was pretty much like the tom hanks of his day he was the everyman he was the the guy next door the 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 poster child for post-war american conservatism and not to say that he was mm. necessarily extremely conservative but he just stood for a certain old-fashioned value and to cast him and then America's princess, Grace Kelly, who did actually become a princess later on mm. in life, mm-hmm. to take these two characters and to essentially turn them into, into, into these slightly perverse voyeurs, these people who just mm. you know, stand around in an apartment and deliberately spy on, other, on their neighbors, there was something a little bit, uh, there's something quite sinister about that. And there's something that kind of pollutes that image a little bit. And it's and it's and it's really interesting just to consider. Mm, absolutely, um, and 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 to think uh, of of their chemistry um, and the fact that they, uh, I mean, they're remarkable actors. There's one little thing that I noticed uh, when researches this film is that um, James Stewart's <laughs> wife <laughs> was. Uh, was incredibly jealous of of Grace Kelly because Grace Kelly was known back in the day to be quite um, well to have a few affairs with her male co-stars, 
So uh. during the actual filming of this, uh, James Stewart's wife would basically sit in uh, and watch <laughs> basically this whole film develop <laughs> and uh, just kind of be a, uh, yeah, just a voyeur herself into whether or not they were flirting or having an affair or, you know, so it's quite funny. For me, as someone who doesn't know the actors at all, like I know Grace Kelly, but I've never seen any of her movies. Um, I thought their chemistry was really good. I really liked mm. it. Uh, I didn't see. I didn't realize that they were really famous actors. Well, except for Grace, but I really liked the the character developments between them throughout the movie. Mm. And mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. the them as a couple was actually really. I liked it. Really yeah. interesting. I mean, they if spoke you're talking about. Well, if you're, if you're going to talk about things that haven't aged well, you know, there is a considerable age difference between them, but that oh, was yeah. pretty common in films those days. Um, and still sometimes is today, unfortunately. Um, and before I, yeah, before we wrap up, I, I did have one more fact. And um, that's if you're ever interested, Gabriel, in, mm-hmm. in, in uh, watching the straight to television movie uh, Rear Window, which was released in 1998. Um, which was, a, 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 you know, a flop, essentially. And I think critically, it was very <laughs> poorly received. But it's, uh, it's basically a modern retelling of uh, the same story. It stars uh, Christopher Weave, uh, Weave, Reeve, which I don't know if you know, but he was the Superman, basically the yeah, OG yeah, yeah, Superman. Yeah, yeah. And he himself was paralyzed, actually paralyzed in a, in a horse riding accident. Yep. And he was cast in the, in the lead role. Um, so you're seeing a paralyzed Christopher Weave, uh, Weave, I keep saying Weave, uh, Reeves, um, in this role. Um, so yeah, if you ever want to give it uh, another rewatch, watch the 1998 and maybe you'll have like a, a really fun time with it, maybe <laughs> have some beer. Um, but yeah, I, I just watched the trailer like, uh, not long ago and I, I was pleasantly surprised. I laughed my ass off. That's so funny, man. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that- I'm actually kind of curious to see that. <laughs> yeah, Ollie, you would you would destroy this film. You would absolutely destroy it. With uh, your no, no, I, I. <laughs> or maybe I'd, we I'd would. Go with maybe. A, I'd go in with an open mind, but yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> like I just know that this is one of those films that me and Ollie would watch and just like piss ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to make that happen. Yeah, yeah maybe we can watch it all together. I yeah, and maybe absolutely. do like a live cast or something um so shall we do ratings then yeah let's do some ratings all right raf so let's let's get your rating first <laughs> um i officially put it on imdb uh again i wish they had decimals because i'm really you know precise with my ratings but i actually gave it a nine i was yeah i thought i was going to give it a 10 but i gave it a nine yeah i would i'd probably go for a nine as well i think it's it's just a. Uh, uh, it's pretty. Um, it's pretty flawless, I would say. If you're forgetting, you know, obviously certain aspects that are a little bit dated by this, you know, by today's standards. But I think it's. Uh, it's pretty much a masterpiece and and an incredible exercise in style. Um, so I can't really find any fault with it. I would say though that it's not. Uh, it wouldn't be in my top three Hitchcock films. But it's 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 close to perfect. So nine for mm. me. Okay, cool. So you guys are both going for a nine. I really really liked it, um, but I think I'm probably gonna go for an eight out of ten. Um, I like pretty mm. much exactly why 
Ollie, like his reasons is that it's just like a pretty flawless movie. There's nothing really bad to say, but there's also nothing really amazing to say, you know? Like if I want to compare this to like sports, it's like a very, I don't know, James Milner performance, you know? <laughs> just like does the job very good. <laughs> You're comparing this film to James, <laughs> James Milner. Know. The rear window. Of- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for those of you guys that don't watch oh. football, but uh, that don't get that reference. But God, that's you know, funny. like it's not like a ten out of ten. Like, wow, they did something here. The eight, I think, is is what I'm gonna give it. Yeah, eight out of ten. Yeah, to each yeah. to each their own score, and it's and it's it's refreshing, if anything, to get someone that sees it less than than what i guess what most film experts see Mm. it as you know most of us see it as like this excellent you know filmmaking um world class you know they 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 heighten it you know they put it Mm -hmm. in this pedestal that's just like you know master class filmmaking um but it's refreshing to get someone um like you a movie newbie to like yeah put it down a little bit you know like i I feel i I feel like my rating would change in the future after I've seen more Absolutely. movies to be like, oh, okay, I see what they did there. Cause like, that was very Hitchcock of them to do this. Or, you know, like, I, I think I have to have a bigger portfolio of movies, you know, let's say to mm. fully appreciate something like this. So I think I might have to come back to it, you know? And you will. But like eight out of 10 is still very good. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really high rating. Generous to say the least. Right. So yeah. Thanks, guys. That's great, we did it. Yeah, there we it did. Is. This is thanks. Thanks for sticking <laughs> around for wow, a what second a episode. I hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, five star rating, uh, review, and iTunes. Um, what else is there? Um, <laughs> well, you guys get it. You know. Oh, share, please. And yeah. uh, we're gonna be launching our Instagram pretty soon, just to uh, just so you guys can get a few more updates. And um, we're gonna let you know what that is. And yeah, thank you guys. And thank you thank you for being on the show again, yeah. Holly and Raph. Lovely to talk to you guys, as always. No worries. Always lovely to talk to you. Um, I'm just going to do some casual voyeurism right now. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for the next <laughs> one. <laughs> All right, guys. Catch you soon. See you guys. Bye. See you all.